thank you for the cake and the meats and the, oh, I love the treats. And also for agreeing to do this podcast. I really mm. appreciate it. Awesome. Looking forward to learning more and sharing more. So should we get into it? Yes, let's start it. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Places We Call Home, a podcast that celebrates the courage, resilience and persistence of all expats and migrants who move to make America their home from all across the world. I'm your host, Yolanda Rishima. I'm happy to have you here with me, listeners, but I'm excited to introduce my special guest today, Mrs. Helen Run. You are a highly successful businesswoman. Executive vice chair of your group, World Financial Group. Mm, yes. And we haven't known each other for very long. Yes. But, but we hit it off. We hit like it off that. immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's similar. But what I love like- about you is your incredible zeal and the passion. I describe you as the ball of fire. Because to me, you, you ignite life in people. You cause people to find new hope. You ignite passion in them. Mm. You cause people to dream and to be able to imagine a different life, a better life, a new life through financial literacy. That's right. Thank you for seeing that. That's exactly my work. That's exactly my career. It's bring hope to people and also inspire them, achieve what's possible in life for them. That same thing that I come to achieve. I was so young, don't know anything. So I want to be able to pay back, give it forward. So that's what I love about you. That's about what you do. Yes. But what I'd love first mm. is to help our listeners to get to know you. If you would be happy to share with mm. us a little bit about what caused you to move to America as a transition like. Wonderful. Thank you. So Yolanda, I came from this province in China, southern part of China. So everyone knows this place called Canton. Canton is one of the metropolitan cities, just like Shanghai yeah. and Beijing. So in China, there's all three main, like, big commercialized provinces. So Canton is one of them. Right. However, I came from a very suburb of Canton. So I raised in a very small village that's very far away from Canton. In the old days, for us to get to Guangzhou by bus on those uneven road, uh-huh. it would take us like six hours. Mm-hmm. Now, with the highway, I heard it's only an hour. So now, of course, everything is more developed. But I grew up there in the village until 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then we, we migrated to America. A little bit about my culture and where I came from. Our place in Mandarin is called Taishan. Many people know about this place. It's like from Chinatown. Every part in the world is Chinatown. Yeah. Especially in America. California, San Francisco, huge Chinatown. Yeah. New York, huge Chinatown. Right? London, Chinatown. Chinatown. Yeah. And let me tell you. Who built the Chinatown? It's the people from my province. In my ancestor, like a hundred years ago, many of these people were being shipped over to America to work on railroad, gold rush. Yeah. So our ancestor and relative and distant relative all came from that place called Taishan. So as we grown up, our dreams is to come to America. All the women in our prophet's dream is to come to America in spite of any kind of path, either marry an older guy or any way. They whatever just, it takes. And whatever it takes. 
Because like when we grow up, our parents never tell us to study hard, get good grade, go to college. Never. It was never in our culture, our mindset to study hard. All we know is we need to come to America. Because those American men who came over, worked years, and then came back to visit, guess what? They always show the bling bling. So in a way, they sold us the dream of the Western. We need to go to the Western side of the world because (laughs) it seems like if we go there, we all will be rich. That was the dream being sold to people like us. So I'm the lucky one. You know why I'm the lucky one? Because I did not need to go different path to find my way or marry old guys to come to America. Because I came, I really want to thank my grandfather and my grandma. So they came in their older age, but then he still managed to work really hard and study English at night so he can pass the citizenship test. Like they laid the foundation for this whole new generation. That's right. For you to have the American dream without compromising maybe your happiness. That's right. I'm so thankful. So because of that, like we, my grandparents able to petition us. So I'm really grateful that he gave me a chance about equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. I can love the life and make choices based on what I really desire, not based on conditions like after Mary, because I need to provide my family. Many women make decisions with limitations, mm-hmm. and I'm very grateful. Being in America and giving this life at such a young age, and I got to go to school, graduate from business degree at from University of Washington, and at my early age. And that's how I bumped into my career of financial literacy. And here I am. Here you are. What was that transition like when you came? I don't know if you can remember when you came with your, was it you, your mom, your dad? Actually, when we came, we have 15 people. So we all came together, a big family. And we all live in this nice house that my grandparents already prepared rent for us. So my memory of transition was so beautiful. Not like a cultural shock or anything. No cultural shock. No cultural shock. Is it because shock. they had already prepared the foundation for it? No, it was not. What they prepared me, the living environments, is way better than I was in the village. Because in the village, we don't have hot water in the house. We don't have a private bathroom. We have to use public. But we, it, the moment we came here, it was just exactly the same as what I had dreamed of. Wow, beautiful pink carpet oh, in the yeah. 90s, right? Yeah. And my God, I can have hot water showered, a hot tub. Oh, no, there was nothing like this in my village. So I do already feel privileged. There's no homesick for us, I think. For people came from where I came from, because we're upgraded to a better living environment. San Francisco, everywhere I go is all Chinese. People speak Cantonese, speak Chinese, which is my dialect. Okay. In the, they put us in the school. There's something called a newcomer for middle school or for high school. But me, elementary, we have this Chinese education center in Chinatown. Everyone in that school is new immigrants. It became home immediately. That's right. Upgrade version. Again, I don't know any English. So when we go to that area every day with the same face. Yeah. People who look like you. People who look like me and speak this, like the teacher even speaks Chinese. But then the teacher gave us a very smooth transition. They speak English and yet they're able to transcend for people like me. That's beautiful. That's a huge advantage. Yes. That sets you on a firm foundation to seamlessly be part of the American fabric. I love that. I've spoken to other people who came, who didn't speak the language and who didn't have that foundation. And for them, it was a huge challenge. It was a huge climb. Yeah. Do you think that start 
pave the way to you moving more confidently and seamlessly in the American culture. Talking about that growth, I did not learn as much English as I wish because everywhere I go is all Chinese in okay. this area, in yeah. San Francisco. When we come home, turn on the TV, Chinese. We have Chinese channel. We go to school, ESL, all the way. Yeah. So all the friends, it's all Chinese. I was not given a chance to learn English until 1995. My parents... And how many years was this after? Five years. Five years, okay. We, we came in 1990. In 1995, one of our friends, our relatives said, oh, come to Seattle. Seattle's home is very cheap. When we lived there, oh my gosh, I was the only, actually second Chinese girl in the whole entire class among all Americans. And let me tell you, the first two weeks, I had nightmare. That actually was my cultural shock. Can you imagine? Well, how did you deal with that? Oh, how I deal with it. What I came to learn about one thing, there's nothing about it's impossible to learn and adapt in life, especially like a language, right? So we learn, we learn. Seems like I got the first few months, it was shock. I was not understand. I was not communicated. Really? I'm a very outspoken person. I was not speaking because I don't know if I'm saying the right or wrong. The magical thing is that just keep practicing and let it be. And all of a sudden, you found that whom that light bulb is a switch. Yes, at some point. As how I laid that foundation for me in my career, my business, same thing I tell people. Oh my God, I don't have the personality. I don't know how to do this. I said, if you're giving yourself five years and 10 years, at the beginning, you may not seem like getting it. But you're absorbing like a sponge. Yeah. So it was easy for you to continue living in your culture. But Seattle forced you outside of your Chinese culture. How did you go about making friends? Because you're so immersed in it here in San Francisco. I I just feel like there's never like I have to come to a point that I I, I make friends outside of my network or connections, which is my Chinese culture. In fact, I was not doing it intentionally. So I always still born to the one who's Chinese in right. my school. Right. So all my friends I met and still kept the friendship with a small group of Chinese in that high school. What really transitioned for me about diverse my network is really in my career. I would say now I am transiting into more diverse my network, like how I'm meeting you. I don't have that resistance anymore. And I don't feel the difference of people anymore. Right. At the beginning you do, but actually after you top connect, you feel like you are just one of them. Do you think maybe it was imagined in the preconceived ideas, maybe just a little bit of fear because it was unfamiliar, different? I think for lots of my friends or my teammates, I found that they resist to do so. It's the language barriers. They're not comfortable expressing themselves in the language that they're not comfortable with in terms of saying a word, how to express a certain feeling. I think lots of them, they are not diversified themselves. I think that's the language. It's the barrier. So for me, I appreciate the opportunity. And we moved to Seattle and allow me to practice and practice. And through my career, now I feel like speaking English is more natural for me. And it flows so beautifully from you. You're very expressive and you're passionate. And it would have been a shame if somebody such as myself, who does not speak Chinese Mm. or of any kind, could not have these in-depth conversations, these fun conversations that we have had. And we have found that there is so much between us that is similar. Yes. That feels alike in the character, our passions and our drives. That would have been lost. Yes. When I was in San Francisco, I was always placed in this 
ESL class. Yeah. I think it's the system. English as a second language. Yes. I think the system slowly progress you. I wish they can test out the students. Maybe if they're up to the grade, they should have mingled them more so right. they get a chance to practice. But it was not the case. And I didn't know until I went to Seattle. Then I found out they tested me. Actually, I belong to the regular class. So right. that's why it gives me the opportunity to expose to a diverse culture with diverse students. Now, this one class I still remember is a biology class. They make the student to do projects. Uh-huh. So I was partnered with a girl to do projects. An American girl. In Amer- American girl. I don't know, but we don't connect well. So ends up, I have to be the one to do the presentations. And Yolanda, uh-huh. let me tell you, when I was studying in front of the classroom, I present, no one paying attention. Let me tell you, that was like... What they, you mean they completely ignored you? They were distracted? I don't know what's the word, but at that moment, I just felt like I may not able to present with confidence with people understand me. Yes. And I, the, the more they're not looking at me and the voice become more dimmer, yes. I cannot feel like talking, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But however, that incident did not defeat me. Now I'm able to speak on a stage to tens of thousands people. Do you think that was your turning moment? Was that quite pivotal? I tend to do a lot better and bounce back better to prove to myself that I'm going to have people listen. That kind of mentality, that resilience, that courage, is that down to your character or is it because of your culture? I don't know either because I'm in a people business. I recruit people, I train people, I develop people. And I do sometimes, I do notice it's just so many different personality and character. And I do not know how to change that character, no matter how much encouraged that I tell them. I said, you know what? Learn and grow, it's okay. But then somehow that inner, what's the inner weakness of them, they tend to withdraw. But for my personality, it's more like when I hit the wall, I have to find a way. I, that drive, it's always want me to excel and push it through. I think that's exactly you talk about perseverance and persistence. If you ask me how do I develop that, seriously, I don't recall how I developed that. I didn't even know I had that even way before I started my career or the career have trained me to be like this. Interesting. I'm basing this thought on what I've observed of other people who have left their countries Mm -hmm. and come here because there will always be challenges to overcome that may initially seem so crippling Mm. that you are left in a spot where it's do or die, Mm. sink or swim. And you have to make yourself overcome because sinking is not an option. Because some of those people that I've encountered, they can't go back home. They've moved to America. They don't have anything to go back to Mm, or they're escaping. They're escaping Mm -hmm. from a difficult situation. And making it work here is all that they've got. So whatever right. limitations they're That's experiencing, they somehow have to dig deep right. and find some sort of courage That's right. somewhere. I feel like I want to call that immigrant experience mentality. of mentality. Have you ever felt like your culture is maybe consumed? Is it still 100% Chinese or is it 70 or 50% Chinese mm. and 50% American? How, how does that work now? Still, I think I'm very still consumed with a very heavy culture of Chinese. Even I came here when I was 10 years old because of the environments I I got brought up and the network I'm associating with. Even in my business right now is working with lots of Asian family because that's actually one of the reasons I joined my business and to promote financial literacy because I want to be the bridge of my community and the knowledge I'm teaching. And because of that reason, 
I keep going back to the same culture. In fact, I have to learn my culture along the way. Because you having to learn I, your culture along the way. Along what do the you way. mean by that? What do you mean? Uh, in San Francisco, very Chinese dominate uh, in terms of language and TV shows and all that. But then I moved to Seattle. So in that time, I have a mix of friends. But when I moved back to California again, I come back to this culture again. Yeah. So the language, for example, I speak Cantonese as my native, but then Mandarin is the official language. I need to practice the dialect to speak very fluently. Then along the way, because of that reason, I expose more again to the TV shows, to the songs, and learning more languages of my culture than before. Meaning I'm able to express a lot more now than the old days. You have kids. Yes. And your kids were born here. Yes. And do they have the language as well? Only my daughter. So I, I think my culture made me proud and I always wanted my kids to have it. Is number one, their strong family value because we're always very close to each other. But I do notice like kids grew up in America. Some of them not as family oriented or bond like the way how we brought up. Yes. Maybe when we were living in a village, Everywhere you go, your neighborship is your relative. Oh, absolutely. Right? I understand that. Right. And the same thing. So you open the door, you see each other, uncle, auntie. You know yeah. how to communicate. Hi, uncle. Hi, auntie. But kids only come home, see parents. You don't say hi to next door. And um, I think because of that, kids here, once they grow up, their minds are, I'm, I'm off. I'm, I will be on my own. And they probably only come back to see parents. And they don't like that. And we live with my parents until... Either they're gone or no longer able to contain any people. We did not have that culture in a want my kids to have that. Yeah. That's something about maybe I do plan to bring them back to China every summer. So for them to be loved by relatives. I want to talk about your passion about working with the people in your community. That's right. Because these are people who are underserved. When it comes to financial literacy, I think not just my culture, the overall United States, people are underserved because financial literacy is not taught in school. When you say financial literacy, what, what I mean you... by that? So financial literacy, very broad, right? It can be as basic as how money works, how to save money, why it's important to save, where to save. Are you spending more or are you spending less? How are you able to accumulate your wealth? So when we talk about financial literacy, it's how do we go from financial insecurity to financial security and to financially independence. I've seen people in my community, when they get older, their financial plan is their children. They're yes. going to lift the kids. Is that a cultural thing? It's a cultural thing. That they just rely on the kids to yeah. look after them. It's their finan cultural mindset financial plan. None of them are happy though. But they're still repeating that generation. What do I mean by lack of knowledge or just think about this. You in this tribe and you have a certain way and you thought that's normal. So someone else comes to tell you that's no good. You're afraid to make that habit or routine, right? Our yes. culture. So our cultures, the parents will take down kids and now the young kids grow up. So they, their obligations take care of the parents because they give them everything. Trust me, my people, they work really hard. They, they were thrifty. They work really hard to make lots of money when they retire. They don't have money because whatever money that they earned, it's already give it back to grow the family, pay mortgage. So they never save anything for themselves. They thought okay. the kid is there 
future. The right. house is the 100% future. Said reliance. Hundred percent reliance. So what happened? Now the kids eventually grow up. They have their own family. Now this elderly have nothing but a house, and all they contribute. They contribute to grow this kid with a college degree. Guess what? Now the kid with a family, they get married. Blah blah blah. They all live under one household, and this grandparents become a nanny. The cook. It's not that they don't have a job. They just change the job, become a domestic helper. But their sad thing is like always conflict. Because they stay home, they still making dinner, they clean, they take care of the younger grandkids. But what if, I mean, your own children understand you and have compressions, but then your lifestyle or your teacher may not align with the oh. in-law. So meaning your son married a woman into this new home, but now living with the parents. Like, which is, I see lots of conflict like that. And guess what? What I see conflict, they don't just have one son. Like two to three. They're not happy. This parents will go to another kid's complaint. And so ending up as like a ball kicking around by their children. I did not want to become a ball kicking around by my kids. Right. I wanted to be able to provide to my children, my grandchildren. One of my things, if I want to be able to travel the world with them together, but not yeah. to spend time of the money and just come, come with me. Just come with my with grandma. Trust me, all the grandkids, son-in-law, whatever, like they will love you. Yeah. Because you're not a of financial burden of them. Now, here's the thing as well. I want to understand your culture. You've just shared some beautiful gems. Hmm. What else do you think people, you would love people to know about? About my culture? I think in overall, our culture, like the Chinese culture, right? I'm talking about Chinese people. If you pay attention, Yolanda, all around the world. Any place there's Chinese, somehow they always work their way up to be at the top rank in the society. They eat a business owner, they're homeowners. Financially, to be honest, we, have quite, we do quite well, no matter which corner of the world. Why is that, right? It's like, why the Chinese? Because I think it's our history has given us thousands of hundreds of years of history of hardworking mentality in our country, no matter what, we always hard work. We work really hard and we save money. It's, I think, also has to do with many wars we have gone through. My mom's generation, not too far out that they have gone through wars, right? In the early 1930, 1940, those time frame. When they experienced war, what did they feel? They were starvations. They have fear of not having enough for tomorrow. With that mentality, they always work hard, save enough, I would say they would save 70% of what they make, not 30%, because they're always on this scarcity mentality. They're always afraid of what happens tomorrow. So they're living the life always fear of not having. Because of that reason, they save abundance of assets and money. That's their financial literacy mentality. It just saves 70% of what you make. You have a house. No matter what, we always have a place to live. We always have to have a shelter. So this is one thing is you won't feel safe until you have a shelter over you. And you notice we don't tend to move everywhere. We're always in one location. Together. Together. That's what I said. Okay. Mom and dad live in this number eight house. And then the few down house like on so, oh my God, daughter, you buy another one for them. And then the son, not everyone work together, but most likely family, they're willing to support and help each other. They're willing to support and help each other. So let's say down paying a home. Parents somehow always willing to help them down pay a home. You think many young people can buy their home? No. 
Even when I bought my home, my mom helped me out. So that is how it's about helping each other. That is yeah. also one of the reasons. That's how most of us able to come here from China. It was my grandpa. It's how we all pull each other up into our community to achieve. I don't think the new generations are like that. That culture is not being cut by word. It's by experience. I think the kids now may not be the same. As it would be a、uh, shame to lose that. But if we lose that, we may not feel right away. But twenty, thirty, fifty、yeah. years later, oh, we've got yes. I yes. see a little person who's very、yes. cute. I have a twin boys. This is the youngest one. That's the、uh, that's the older、oh, one. Hi, Kingston.、Mm-hmm. I think he somehow he has some he has some、uh, mood. He's moody. That's our cue <laughs> to say thank you and to finish there. We're going to chat again because the kids need mummy's attention. So thank you so much、You're、for、welcome. feeding me. But most of all, the real gem has been spending time with you, sharing your passion, your culture, your energy with me and my listeners. That's us. Thank you for today. On the next episode, I didn't understood what I was writing, but I knew that I need to learn English because there was no way, and I still today I. Feel it for so many people that didn't have the chance to go to school, or they haven't be able to go because of work or many reasons. And I say how difficult can be knowing how to express yourself or ask questions, or it's being able to manage your life right, right? and being able to make decisions for yourself,、right. and it's being able to have a life and to live. Otherwise,、it. you're just alive, and other people will make decisions for you. There's no way for you to speak up for yourself, or or even to make an opinion. There's no way. Okay, wait a minute. I'm a human being, but I'm not equally seen. So I'm good doing work, right? Like、yeah. labor, but I'm not good enough to be seen. At that point of discovering this new layer of challenges, did you think, oh? No, too much. I need to go back home.